0: If you need a new roof or a repair, Easton Roofing will take care of you. Estimates are always free and suggestions are built on integrity. Visit EastonRoofing.com for more information. Get back to business faster with Easton Roofing. Easton Roofing, integrity matters. Garrison and Toth presents The Shift with Jack Johnson on ESPN Kansas City, 1510 AM and 94.5 FM. Good morning, Kansas City. It's another edition of The Shift on 94.5 FM and 1510 AM ESPN Kansas City. I'm your host, Jack Johnson, alongside Marco Marquez. Before we get into our full hour of Super Bowl coverage, let's give a shout out to our presenting sponsors, starting with Gerritsen and Toth. They handle the most complex felony federal or state criminal defense cases. You'll find them in doing that successfully, helping criminal defendants all over the Kansas City area and Northeast Kansas for years. Also be sure to visit Kim Hauer and Associates Agency at 105th and Metcalf in Overland Park or give Kim and her team a call at 913-649-2002. That's 913-649-2002 for a quote on your home and auto insurance today. They said it couldn't be done. They said this team couldn't get back to a Super Bowl without Tyreek Hill. They said there were too many holes on this defense. They weren't beating the bad teams by enough. They didn't have the overall firepower to win another Super Bowl with Patrick Mahomes. Maybe some were trying to doubt them for other reasons or just to hate. I know not everybody was saying that Kansas City would never become a dynasty because becoming a dynasty is hard. But the Kansas City Chiefs win their second Super Bowl in five years last night after topping Philly. 38-35 to 35 and one of the more thrilling Super Bowls we have seen in modern history. Now I think there's a couple of things that you can say about this team and certainly this team over the course of a 17-game regular season schedule and three postseason games deserves some criticism. You know, that not beating bad teams by enough, going through a lull. All those things could have added up with the special teams problems, the turnover problems, the defense being mediocre, this team had their flaws. But I think what's so unbelievable and probably terrifying to the rest of the NFL is that in the end, it was always inevitable. This team was always going to find a way to win it all because you have Patrick Mahomes as your quarterback, because you have Andy Reid as your head coach. Patrick Mahomes could retire today. Nobody would want to see that, but he could retire today and still be one of the most decorated quarterbacks in NFL history, really only behind Tom Brady. When you think about this five-year stretch that he's had, two MVPs, two Super Bowl MVPs, and two Super Bowl rings, five AFC West titles, has never played in a road postseason game, it's ridiculous the numbers this guy's been able to put up. Now, I saw on Twitter last night people making fun of Patrick Mahomes for limping with an angle injury and then five, 10 minutes later being able to jog into the locker room. Listen, he was dealing with a ankle sprain. The severity of it, we won't really know because we weren't in the locker room with Patrick Mahomes. We aren't Patrick Mahomes. We don't know how badly it was affecting him. But to be able to win a Super Bowl against this defense, put up 38 points on this defense, it says a lot about who he is and the Chiefs going out and getting a guy like that. To understand that When you find a franchise quarterback, it's little things like that, and maybe it's not little, but to have a quarterback that can play through injury, to have a guy that can be so coachable. When people are looking and people in the front office are looking for a franchise quarterback, sometimes they overexert themselves in trying to find maybe the right fit, the guy that's oozing with talent, but some of the things you just are born with. The coachability aspect, the positive attitude, the the leadership mentality. Some guys have it, some guys don't. That's not something you can teach a player. And Patrick Mahomes has it. When the Chiefs are down by 10 at halftime, I'm sure it was oh, gloomy wherever you're watching the game, whether it was at a house or at a bar. Certainly where I was, there was not a lot of excitement. They knew or everybody in the bar knew that, hey, Patrick Mahomes is now going to be dealing with that ankle at 50 60%. Who knows? if he takes a snap in the second half. You know Chad Henney was warming up. You're down by 10. The defense had been bad, aside from one gifted fumble return touchdown by Nick Bolton. But they couldn't stop Jalen Hurts in that offense. But I'm sure in the locker room, nobody was concerned. Nobody was worried because Patrick Mahomes doesn't let this team get down, get worried. And when they're down by 10, I think everybody knew. You need one drive to open up the second half. You score, and the momentum is completely flipped. And that's exactly what this team did. And once they got that touchdown, I think everybody sort of excelled and went, all right, now we go. Now this defense can get one stop and we're right back in it. Now, I don't want to just spend the first 30, 40 minutes praising Patrick Mahomes, who was great last night, one incompletion in the second half. He was 13 of 14 in the second half, three touchdowns, no picks. And we spent a lot of our time on Friday – Going over our three heroes of the game and three keys was back on Wednesday. What did we say? They got to win the turnover battle. Check. We said Nick Bolton was going to play a factor. Check. We said Kadarius Tony was going to play a factor. Check. Offensive line was going to have a huge part in this game. They didn't allow a damn sack against the most lethal pass rush we had seen since the 85 Bears. They would had, what, 77 sacks on the year? Ridiculous numbers. The offensive line came to play. The special teams aside from the Harrison Butker miss kick came to play. The defense got stops when it mattered most. And now the Chiefs, for the third time in franchise history, are Super Bowl champions of the NFL. We'll take it for granted, I'm sure. I think you can appreciate the greatness the Chiefs have had this great run over the last five years or so. But sometimes you can't truly grasp what they are doing, what they've been able to accomplish. I mean, it's just a willy-nilly, haven't had a road playoff game in five years, have only known nothing but AFC Championship games at home at minimum, and now for the second time in five years, you're Super Bowl champions, Kansas City. And it's because of the structure. We talk about structure all the time, the talent with this team, the coachability of these players. And let's go around this team right now and really give praise where it's due. Now, Patrick Mahomes, by far and away, deserves a lot of praise. He was the Super Bowl MVP. I think the offensive line had their best game of the season, and it is a lot easier said than done to put that pressure on an offensive line and go, you have to play your best game of the year and actually backing that up with your best game of the year against the best defense you faced all year. Some teams could play really well, some offensive lines could play well, could play respectable, keep their team in it. The Chiefs dominated up front. It was so impressive to see. And because Patrick Mahomes had a banged-up ankle, they knew they had to be perfect. Orlando Brown Jr. was winning off the ball a hell of a lot more than we had seen in the regular season. Andrew Wiley, a guy that got a lot of criticism all year long just for being the odd man out in that line that lineup. Orlando Brown Jr., is a franchise left tackle. Joe Tooney, great left guard, one of the best in the game. Creed Humphrey, arguably the best center in the game next to Jason Kelsey. Trey Smith is a violent, violent football player. We usually don't criticize him. Andrew Wiley was always the one you pointed your finger to because he was at a very tough spot at right tackle. When you're at a tackle position, you're going to be beat a lot. And earlier in the year, him and Orlando Brown Jr. gave it the most pressures of any other tackle in football. But last night, Andrew Wiley was flawless. That offensive line was great. And the Chiefs were not running a ton of screenplays. They weren't bailing out the offensive line. They had to step up, and they did. And the Chiefs do not win that game. And the offensive line didn't play as perfectly as we did. I want to say perfectly. Not well. They played perfectly. And you had in the back of your mind that haunting image of the Super Bowl in the COVID year against Tampa Bay. Where Mike Remmers, Nick Allegretti, Wiley himself are just getting beat like a drum. And Patrick Mahomes is running 25 yards the other way to avoid that pressure. It was a haunting image and it stuck with Chiefs fans for a long time. And for this offensive line, which was rebuilt a few weeks after that Super Bowl loss to Tampa Bay. Now to see the benefits really pay off. It's an extraordinary feeling. And then how about the guys that were the unsung heroes? Andy Reid said earlier in the week that there were going to be heroes in this game that were not being talked about all week long. Isaiah Pacheco was brilliant. Kadarius Tony, I would compare him to Ben Zobrist on the 2015 Royals. A midseason acquisition, immediately stepped in, and was a great contributor. Was he always on the field? No. But when he was on the field, he was an impact player. And that's why when, of all the injuries that we were worried about, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Kadarius Toney was near the top of my list because of how he changes this offense, how he changes the special teams. The Chiefs had had their eye on Kadarius Toney for a long time in the draft out of Florida while he was with the Giants. And when he fell into their laps, this traded a, a pick. A couple of picks for Gendarius Toney, and they brought him into this offense. He took off. He needed the change of scenery. He had one of the plays of the game, the big punt return in the fourth quarter. He had a receiving touchdown on one of the more brilliant play calls we had seen from Andy Reid in the game. He altered it. He is a different X factor for the Chiefs in the special teams unit and offensively. Sky Moore, who went through one of the more intriguing rookie seasons we saw from any Chiefs rookie over the last five years. Bad on special teams. You know, in training camp, Sky Moore was this folklore. It was a fairy tale. right? This guy that's dominating guys, beating starters one-on-one. And you thought maybe, hey, Sky Moore's the number two wide receiver. Sky Moore's the number three. He was a steal in the draft, and it just didn't go that way. And the last three weeks have probably been the best three weeks of his athletic life. When you think about being at the pinnacle of the sport, the AFC championship game, the Super Bowl, having a game-changing punt return in the AFC title game, having a touchdown in the Super Bowl on another great play call by Andy Reid and Eric Bieniemy, I mean, it's those things that really make you fall in love with this team. It was the guys that were either criticized a lot or didn't really have the big play in the regular season, and they were the ones that were leading the Chiefs to victory in the Super Bowl. It was cool to see. Jalen Watson early on in the game is sticking with A.J. Brown, and he's doing a hell of a job with it. Trent McDuffie has a bad play where it results in an A.J. Brown touchdown, got turned around. A.J. Brown got a little bit of separation. It was a bad play. We didn't hear Trent McDuffie's name for the rest of the game because he was doing his job. Nick Bolton. I would say Missouri fans want to favor Nick Bolton. They feel good about Nick Bolton, but fans that didn't, they criticized him. He wasn't great in coverage. He was a weaker linebacker than people thought. Nick Bolden gets the scoop and score. Should have had two, but it was overturned as they didn't think that Miles Sanders had a football move. I want to say that was in the second quarter. Or no, it was the third quarter, excuse me. It was the first defensive series of the second half. But Nick Bolden, he's the guy that's making the plays out there for the defense. No, Chris Jones, he was the hero in the AFC title game. It had to be the other guys on defense. And, man, to see this team go from a, I would say, a dreary a dreary offseason where you trade away Tyree Kill and you're not really making moves and everybody's sitting here, we're sitting here in the studio going, oh, what the hell are they doing? You trade away Tyree Kill and your replacement was Marquez Valdez-Scanling? I guess it's a retooling year, so the expectation's not going to be a Super Bowl win. Not only to this team win their division not only did this team win 14 games in the regular season not only did this team get the one seed and not only did this team beat their boogeyman in the cincinnati Bengals, they win the effing super bowl over the number one seed in the nfc patrick mahomes another mvp another super bowl mvp and another ring it is unbelievable what this team was able to accomplish they lost three times this year and I think after their week three loss to Indianapolis, we sat here and went, I I don't know how this team can get to that point. You didn't want to overreact. But I think we all looked at that game and went, listen, this just isn't a Super Bowl team. At least not right now. You know, they could hang 40-plus points on the Cardinals. They could beat the Charters in a thriller. But then to play the Colts and Matt Ryan and lose, you thought, man, is this team really going to be the same without Tyreek Hill? And it is really, really hard, as everybody is fully aware, it is really damn hard to get to the Super Bowl, let alone win it. And the Chiefs make it look so easy. You as fans go into games and just expect they're going to blow teams out of the water because they're that good. You were confident all week long, and there's very few times that a fan base can honestly say they feel 100% 100% confident in their team winning every single game. And when they lose, you feel like it's all a devastating crashing down sort of situation. It's the worst thing in the world. It's so unexpected because the Chiefs are that good. It's just a it's a remarkable time here in Kansas City. I can't really put true words into it. Because this team is having the most impressive five-year stretch I think we have seen in a long, long time. Like we had said two weeks ago, anybody can win one Super Bowl. We have seen underdogs, m- mid-level teams, you know, non-elite teams win a Super Bowl. We have seen quarterbacks who were not even top ten in the NFL win a Super Bowl. You know, we saw the New York Giants who were 9-7, and I believe, had an even point differential, beat the undefeated New England Patriots. It was one of the first Super Bowls I really had my jaw on the floor. I remember growing up. We have seen Nick Foles win a Super Bowl. Like, anybody can win one. I know the Denver Broncos were a really good team, but Peyton Manning, with maybe 50-60% health, won a Super Bowl in his final year of his career. Like, you could build the right team and win it. To win two... That's different. To say you are a multiple-time Super Bowl champion, that is a lot different. That is not quite a dynasty. I think three is a dynasty. But two, you can be satisfied with. If the Chiefs didn't win for 10 years, I think we'd all be disappointed in Kansas City, and you'd feel like you were left wanting more. But two Super Bowls is still capitalizing on a window. Think about the rivals right now with the Chiefs. The Bills, the Bengals. They don't have one. Their quarterback has not won an MVP. The Chiefs just rack up all the accolades. They're the big, bad bully. They're the bully on the block that constantly keeps every other kid at arm's length. You can give them a few shots to the face, punch him in the jaw. They'll spit out their, to- their tooth and blood and then keep you at arm's length again. Or put your ass on the floor. Or put your ass in the concrete. They're just a team that, no matter what they're faced with, no matter what adversity they go through, they always overcome it. And, yeah, they may have a couple of losses in the regular season. They may go through some injuries. At the end of the day, though, this was always seemingly inevitable. And all offseason long, this last offseason, I mean, you had talking heads in the media say, they're maybe the worst team in their division. They don't even have the best quarterback in their division anymore. The Chargers, the Raiders, the Broncos, they were more aggressive. The Chiefs got worse. They retooled. They got younger. They got cheaper because they were looking down the road. And in a year where they were looking three, four years ahead of schedule, they won a damn Super Bowl. It's not supposed to be this easy. The Chiefs went 17-3 and this year. 17-3 and without Tyreek Hill. They were better without Tyreek Hill, and now we're set up better for the future. Front offices make tough decisions like that. They have the the tough approach of going, all right, our window is getting smaller because our players are getting older. Travis Kelsey's not going to be here forever. Chris Jones is not going to be here forever. And they let Tyron Matthew walk, a leader of the defense. They traded away Tyreek Hill because they were looking to 2025, 26, 27, because they still wanted to be a Super Bowl contender in those years. And in the year where they sort of took a step back roster-wise, they won the damn thing. Un-freaking-believable what this team accomplished. 17-3, and best season in franchise history after trading away a Hall of Fame wide receiver and replacing him with guys that were either rejects from other places or weren't getting the big-time money anymore. Juju Smith-Schuster, who we said was going to be one of the heroes in the game and wanting to get him the ball early on, they got that done. Juju was banged up last year with Pittsburgh, missed a lot of time. The Chiefs gave him a one-year prove-it deal. And damn it, did he prove that he was worthy of being a number-one wide receiver. Marquez Valdez-Scantling was never a number one, never a number two, but in Green Bay, it was time to move on. And the Chiefs said, hey, you're not Tyreek Hill, but we like what you can do with your route running, going over the top, your breakaway speed, your yards after the catch. Come join our offense. And he thrived. Sky Moore was a second-round pick. He went to a smaller school in Western Michigan. And when it was all said and done... I think you can say it was a successful year one in Kansas City for Sky Moore because he finished with such a strong presence in that offense. He matured. He got more confident, and that's growth. That is amazing to see with rookies on this team. Kadarius Toney was a reject with the Giants, considered a first-round bust. He needed a change of scenery. He got one to immense plays in the Super Bowl. I could spend the next 30 minutes going position by position and say how much that player impacted this team this year. It was all about growth. And it's the leadership, it's the foundation, it's the culture that starts from the bottom and goes all the way to the top. Chiefs a winner in Super Bowl 57, 38 to 35 over the Philadelphia Eagles. You're going to celebrate this one for a long time. Long, long time. It feels so good to say you have that second Super Bowl ring in five years than just having the one. You've been to 3-1-2. You're inching closer to having one of the best stretches we've ever seen in NFL history. And now the Chiefs are the betting favorites to win Super Bowl 58. Marco, you haven't slept since last night. Did Chiefs post game? at the border patrol this morning and you're still showing up here you've got your chief's pullover on you don't even look tired hell you probably didn't even drink coffee you're a machine Uh. because you've gotten all this content for the last 12 hours basically what were your takeaways what are your feelings you growing up in kansas city myself growing up in kansas city i think for me this is the most important most meaningful win i've ever seen the chiefs have winning last night in the super bowl against philly more so than winning the one against San Francisco. This one, I think, just means more to myself, Mm -hmm. to Kansas City. What say you, Marco? What did this mean last night for you?
1: Uh, uh, To steal a phrase from the SEC, it meant more, literally. Last night's Super Bowl did mean more, and it's okay to say that because the the Super Bowl 54, that was the first experience for many of us, if not all of us, because the Chiefs hadn't been there in over 50 years. But they did it with a team that was built up of guys that hadn't been there before, hadn't won one before, and that hunger was there. And they had to recreate that. And that's why this second one means more because not only does it mean – that not, not only do you, did you do it – did the Chiefs do it with the quarterback of the future. He got over that hump of getting another Super Bowl. But also – Andy Reid, the head coach, got over the hump of winning another Super Bowl. It's it's a it's it's a it was a statement win nonetheless, too. Let's not forget the Chiefs were not the betting favorite and definitely weren't the public uh favorite going into this game. They were considered the underdog and they not and so it was a season of writing off. And so Travis Kelsey said it perfect yesterday during the postgame. Um that, they that that oh, and I'm losing it now in my head. This is what happens um when you've been hearing Chiefs players all day. <laughs> but he meant he he talked about when oh the next time you talk about the Chiefs, put some respect on it. The Chiefs felt disrespected all season, and although there was the bot the the Chiefs hometown radio guys knowing who the who the Chiefs are, not buying into the national. Uh, National talking heads, uh, it's it's you take those things personal. And Kansas City, that's what makes the city so special is that in Philly too. That's why the Super Bowl is so great in so many ways. The fan base is the pride that they take in their own local teams and the way they attach in the way that they the people attach themselves. emotionally emotionally to their uh to the res- to their respective teams it's just it's it, you're gonna see on Wednesday when it's time to party in the parade uh just how much this one means not only to the players which I'm really excited really excited to see the stage presence there again but uh, just the fan just a fans man i mean catching Glenn, i had so much fun just watching the tv news last night of just the town town people acting silly um it was it, they they it, there was there was a sense there too where it's like it wasn't the people's first time celebrating and witnessing this but it was definitely a um moment of relief and a moment of that 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 finally although the chiefs Can say that they are who we believe they are. You have to, you have to solidify it in some way. You have to prove it, and they did just that. And everybody knew who this team was. And after that win yesterday, it was just like a big old yeah. You 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 put put put. You showed them. There you go. you, You they
0: showed the world. They showed the NFL. And I think the only downside to last night is now we can't see the Chiefs play football for seven months. I mean, you almost want to see him play every single week because of what this team was able to show, the resilience of this team to never get too low, to never get too high. They maintained every level of success all season long. There'd be some valleys, there'd be some lows, and there were favorites. There were other teams that were hotter than them. They were beating teams with more of an emphasis the Bengals were the hottest team in the AFC going into postseason. The Bills were the favorite coming into the season. They got the better defenses. They had the better weapons. The Chiefs were just there. They were really good, but they just weren't talked about a lot. And when they were talked about, it was usually criticism. You know, they're not beating teams by enough. They're turning the ball over a lot. They got special teams problems. They're not good enough. They're not going to be that team that's going to be there when it's all said and done. They just don't have enough. And here's what I want to say about that. I'm not going to sit here and say the Chiefs were this spunky underdog, 10-win team that nobody believed in. Because there were people that still believed in the Chiefs. There are still people that are going to always believe in Patrick Mahomes. But it felt very much to me like the final couple years in New England, where people just kind of wrote off New England and said they don't have it anymore. They're really good. But they're not going to be the team like Kansas City. I always go back to 2018, 2019. The Chiefs were the team. They were fun. They were flashy. They were red hot. The Patriots were there. They'd beat them in the regular season. But people were tired of talking about the Patriots. And who won the Super Bowl that year? New England. Because they kept their heads level. They stayed focused. They said, we don't care what you're saying about us. We'll use it to fuel us. But go praise those other teams who haven't won anything yet. We know how to win, we know how to get there, and we're the team that always overcomes adversity. Now people are waking up in Buffalo, waking up in Cincinnati and Philly going, damn, Kansas City in five years has two Super Bowls. That is so hard to compete with. It is so hard to get to the Super Bowl. Think about it. 17-game schedule. you got to win your division to lock up home field. Then you got to play the top teams in the conference to get to the Super Bowl. Then you got to play the best team on the other side. It is so hard for things to fall perfectly. You could win 16 games in the regular season and be bounced in the divisional round. That just happens in the NFL. But in Kansas City, you've minimized those chances. You don't let those things happen because of how solid this team is from top to bottom. You're just not worried. Chiefs trail by 10, 15, 20, 24, doesn't matter. They're going to win because Patrick Mahomes is inevitable. Andy Reid is inevitable. Everybody now is chasing the Chiefs. You hate them. They're the villain. They're the evil empire. You prayed and hoped no other team would become New England again. You hoped that wouldn't be possible. And now they are right there. New England's empire died, and here came Kansas City. Not a dynasty yet. I think three is a dynasty. But I think even if you win one more the next four years, it's still a dynasty. Winning three in a 10-year stretch, yeah, that's a dynasty to me. Because Kansas City is always going to be near the top. As long as 15's there, as long as 87's there, as long as 95's there, and as long as Andy Reid's there, things are not going to change. An unbelievable finish to an unbelievable year. Chiefs win Super Bowl 57, 38-35 over the Philadelphia Eagles. This will not wrap up our Chiefs talk because we're going to dedicate our entire show today, a Super Bowl championship Monday, to the new world champions of the NFL, the Kansas City Chiefs. More Chiefs talk next on 94.5 FM and 1510 AM ESPN, Kansas City. The Kansas City effing Chiefs are Super Bowl champions of the world, and it has never felt better on this Monday morning. I'll be completely candid. I'm going through it. I've never been happier to be a little bit hungover today, but I think most of Kansas City is. You have to celebrate when you're in a time like this, and to think in Kansas City in less than a decade You've had two World Series appearances, a World Series championship, four, or excuse me, three Super Bowl appearances, and two Super Bowl championships. It's absurd. It's absurd the decade run that we have had here in Kansas City. Not all the years, not all 10 resulted in a championship, but it's the level of success and mainly here with football in Kansas City since Andy Reid took over. 10 years. You've really known nothing but winning in Kansas City. The worst year, football wise, for the Chiefs in the last ten years was 2014. They missed the postseason. They were nine and seven. Didn't have a losing record. But since that point, it's been division title after division title, postseason appearance, postseason appearance, then Mahomes took over. And there were postseason wins, AFC Championship appearances, AFC Championship wins, Super Bowl appearances, and Super Bowl wins. And you just sort of expect it now. And I thought one of the coolest things of last night, and the countless postgame interviews there were, Chris Jones didn't really act like, man, we're on top of the world, loved this feeling, and just kind of felt like it was over. He said, simply put, we still, we're not done. We're still going. This is not over. We feel like we're in a position to win another. And they are, per Vegas, the betting favorite to win next year. This team has that mentality. Hey, one's great. Two's great. Three's better. Four's better. Five's better. And that's what you want with your team. You want to have that greedy mentality. And I've never really used greedy in a positive way. I am now. You can never have enough. You always want more. This team is hungry, they stay hungry, and it's why they won 17 games this year. I mean, seriously, it is ridiculous the numbers they put up. And there were times this year where we just felt iffy about the team. They were winning, but you weren't confident. You looked over at Cincinnati and Buffalo and the Chargers who were rear, or were rearing early on, but then hit a hot stretch toward the end of the season. They were beating the brakes off teams. They weren't struggling with teams like the Broncos or the Texans. And we sat back and went, okay, they win, but we're not satisfied with the win. It didn't make sense as to why they couldn't blow anybody out. And it concerned you that they couldn't beat Buffalo, that they couldn't beat Cincinnati. And once the postseason started, it was just a breath of fresh air. It was like, finally, we got to this point. It didn't matter anymore in the regular season what had happened. Because it's win or go home. And it always feels like the Chiefs step up to the plate and knock it out of the park in the postseason. They just play at a different level. The offense plays at a different level. They're not stagnant. They're not sleepy in the way they were at the noon kickoffs against Denver and the cold weather. They didn't play with their food. They didn't play with their food against Jacksonville. They didn't come unprepared to play Cincinnati, their boogeyman. They weren't scared to play Cincinnati. It's a team that doesn't fear anybody. They're not underdogs. They're alphas. They are the king of the junkyard. They are the junkyard dog that everybody tries to replicate, tries to mimic, and they can't. Because that junkyard dog just has something different that the other ones don't. They're the ones that can step on the throat and twist their ankle to just crush somebody. And they're never out of it. You just can't kill them. You can't kill the Kansas City Chiefs. They're always in the rearview mirror. And you're always looking over your shoulder. You're sweating a little bit. And that's a scary thing to have. You could be up 10 in the fourth quarter. You're not done with the Chiefs. It has to be... Final seconds of the game, you have the ball, and the Chiefs are out of timeouts. That's the only way you really feel confident that you've finally beaten them. And even when you do, you go, did that really just happen? I mean, yesterday at halftime, this team trailed by 10, and Patrick Mahomes came limping off the field. And yeah, I'm sure, including myself, other people in Kansas City felt like, "Uh, this is not good right now. But you always knew if Patrick Mahomes came back out there, they were going to have a run at it. They were going to make things interesting. And no, 10 points isn't a massive deficit. It's not insurmountable. It's still the NFL. Now, The Bengals, the Bills, I know I keep referencing them a lot, but it's teams that I think that are closest to Kansas City. They can also overcome a 10-point deficit. But it's also how you do it, how quickly you do it. It's not ugly. It doesn't take penalties. The Chiefs marched down the field immediately, scored. Momentum shifted. They just have the killer instinct. They really do. And it doesn't take a lot to piss them off, to turn the tides. And sometimes you almost feel better when the Chiefs are trailing because you don't have that pressure of you got to hold on to the lead. I think Philly felt really good with how things transpired in the first half, but then they're going, all right, Kansas City's going to make a run. You know at some point they're going to make that run. And they did. And when Kansas City made the run... They couldn't really catch up. You no, know, Philly did tie the game again up at 35 after trailing by eight when things looked like they were really starting to teeter. Not to be a blowout, but things were really starting to look favorable for Kansas City after going up 35-27. Jalen Hurts had a very incredible response, which is why he was an MVP quarterback for a large portion of this year. They marched down the field, tied things back up. But even then, tied up at 35, you go, it's still Kansas City's game. They're going to have a chance to go back down the field and either score a game-winning touchdown or a game-winning field goal. It is just the resiliency this team has always had. They're never out of it. They trailed by 17 to the Raiders in the second quarter at home. They trailed by 10 to the Chargers in the second half. It didn't matter. None of those deficits mattered. And yeah, they came out in the losing end three times this year. Out of 20 games, three times. Two of the losses came against the number two and the number three seed in the AFC. Their only bad loss was against a putrid Indianapolis team. But those can't happen in the NFL. And it's also why you almost have to double take at a 17-win season. In the NFL, we always say any given Sunday, really bad teams can beat really good teams. Sometimes you just don't come prepared to play. You overlook somebody. You're tired. You're banged up. And you just let one slip. That happened in week three. Never happened again. The great teams, both AFC and NFC side, all had a bad loss this year. They just had a slip up. The Bengals lost in their home opener to Pittsburgh and Mitch Trubisky. Cincinnati's still a damn good team. But with those teams... And on the NFC side, the Eagles, they lost to the Washington Commanders and Taylor Heineke. The thing is, though, with those teams, it happens more than once. And you could pull up a clip from one of my shows two months back, I think it was, that the difference between the Chiefs and those other teams that are chasing them, when they have one slip-up, it doesn't compile into two or three. It's not an avalanche. Or a ball rolling down a hill that gets bigger. You kind of know what I'm talking about. Where things just sort of pile on top of you. One mistake leads to two, two leads to three, three leads to four. The Chiefs just quickly fix things. And when you get them, you get them once. You don't get another chance. Which is why you have to find a way to put them away. Going back to the junkyard dog, the alpha of the group. I think you can also use the saying of, if you come at the king, you best not miss. You get one chance to beat the Chiefs. You really do. You get one chance to get them at their most vulnerable point. And if you don't, they're going to win. They're going to come back and kill you. And I think for Philly, the kill shot was late in the second quarter. They had the ball and we're up 21-14. Now, I'm not saying that drive was always going to end in the touchdown, but Those are the type of plays you have to make. Those drives you have to finish off with a touchdown. If Philly goes up 28-14 at half, though it's only four more points, it's different. It is so much different to end a half with a touchdown as opposed to a field goal. Because defenses that are reeling, they feel like it's a victory if they can hold you to a field goal. Now, Philly just ran out of time when it was all said and done. They couldn't go 20 more yards in four seconds. So they made the right call. But it's just little things like that and how hard it is to beat Kansas City, how you have to go over the top. You just have to be much better at certain facets of the game. And they weren't. Their running game, which had dominated all year long, non-existent. A.J. Brown did have a long receiving touchdown in the game. That made me think a little bit differently about the Chiefs secondary. But other than that, he was neutralized. Jalen Hurts was phenomenal, and that's also the other frustrating thing if you're an Eagles fan or fan of any other NFL team. Your quarterback can play an MVP type of game and still lose. This defense, the Philly defense, more sacks than anybody else in football by 15. The team with the second most sacks in the NFL had 15 less than Philly. They had the most sacks in the NFL – Since the 85 Bears, the best defense the NFL has ever seen, they had zero last night. No sacks. They were completely held in check. And we talked on the show last week. They were going to get theirs. I was wrong. I said Philly was going to get theirs. They're going to have two or three sacks. But you just can't let it come at the worst possible times. The Chiefs offensive line, flawless. Patrick Mahomes, flawless. Receiving core, flawless. Travis Kelsey, flawless. And even when they made mistakes, quickly fixed. Just like they'd done all season long. It's the epitome of the 2022-2023 Kansas City Chiefs. They make a mistake, quickly fixed. Doesn't happen again. Harrison Butker doinks the 42-yard field goal. Now, I know it was a 27-yarder, but didn't miss an extra point after that, and he hit the game-winning kick. That's what you ask for. You have to move on. It's a short-term memory in this game, like it is in basketball, like it is in baseball. You can't let things spiral out of control. Things pile on top of each other. Short-term memory, and the Chiefs have that. And the Chiefs had that last night in a 38-35 win over the Philadelphia Eagles. Now, Marco, I do want your thoughts on this, because if we're going to go over the entire, I guess, summary of this game... The one thing we have not talked about with just nine minutes or eight minutes to go in the show is, as Josh Briscoe is passing by the window here, dancing is as well. A tall boy? A tall boy. It's a great day in the office. It, <laughs> as it can be on a Monday. As good as it can be on a Monday. It feels like a Friday. It's great. And I'm, you know, I got a little bit of a headache. Yeah. Voice a little bit hoarse, but you still feel good. But the thing we yeah, have not touched great. on, Marco, mm-hmm. is this controversial holding call that set the Chiefs to... set them up to kick the game-winning field goal to go up 38-35. The hold on James Bradbury when he was defending Juju Smith-Schuster. Juju said he was held. James Bradbury said it was a hold. But I'm seeing all over Twitter, all over the media, saying you can't make a call like that in the game. You can't let that decide the game. Well, if you're admitting it's a hold, Mm -hmm. and I know that maybe the the bias is coming out here, but seriously, just not call it? What about the other way around here? If they don't call it and you have that snapshot of James Bradbury holding Juju's jersey, what are we going to say? You can't miss calls in moments like that. And I think that, yeah, it's unfortunate for Philly and Philly fans that their season was decided on a holding call that is probably less than what the usual holding call is. We've seen guys get mugged and not be called. But it was textbook holding. He had his arms around his hips. He turned him. He held on the jersey. That prevented Juju from getting the 5, 10 yards of separation he needed for the touchdown. Right. So to me, I'm going, why is there controversy? You have your cornerback saying he held. Mm-hmm. You're saying, you are Juju saying he held. Carl Chevers, who I know everybody's opinion on in Kansas City. Carl Trevor said it was textbook holding. There's no controversy. No debate between the refs. No debate at all. And we're still sitting here going, you can't make a call. I am so upset you can't make a call like that in the Super Bowl. We'd be saying the same thing if it wasn't called, that mm-hmm. you have to make a call like that. You can't miss a call like that in the Super Bowl. Now, I know in Kansas City, you're on the positive side of things. in Philly, or if this was the other way around, and let's say Jerry Steed was called for a play like that, we may be having a much more heated Monday morning show. Mm-hmm. But when you look at it and you look at the snapshots, the whole – that's just why I always hate when you have people debating calls. They slow things down and show one angle and go, how is that a hold? Just turn the damn camera and see the jersey being held. Mm-hmm. It's textbook holding. So I don't know if there's any controversy. Maybe you say I'm wrong because I'm here in Kansas City. I'm not going to trash the Chiefs. But I think in any sort of situation, I would say that's probably holding. On the initial view, yeah. I go, that's not holding. Then I saw the side angle, and you see Juju being held by the jersey. That's going to be called every single time. I mean, am I wrong in saying this should not be a controversy?
1: No. The only reason it's a controversy is because people there's people are arguing against the call on Twitter. I mean, if you—hell, we, we literally got an answer from uh, Bradbury, who got away with one early in the game. And maybe that's why he thought the referee was going to let it brush, because where they were at in the game— Having gotten away with it earlier in the game on Juju Smith, so I understand. But that's the only reason why it's controversy is because there's Twitter, and we can see more people's opinions than you can reading the daily newspaper. You're going to get everybody chiming in, all types of different opinions. It's just here's my so here's my counter argument to them to them. Would you still be making the same complaint if the Eagles hadn't used all their timeouts yet? Yeah. If they didn't screw up and have to use one early on, then they probably wanted to in the second half. It's just it's situational football. It's one of those unfortunate things, but that but it's but it happens. It's happened in playoff football before. Um, but at the end of the day, if you tell the ref, and it's going back to the AFC Championship game with uh, Osai and the late hit on Mahomes, if you don't want the ref to call it because of the of where as where 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 it would be deciding at in the football game. Then your base that's the same thing of that's the same thing as saying the ref needs to needs to make that call there. At the end of the day, uh, telling saying the ref shouldn't throw it because of the situation is the same way is the same reason for saying the ref should throw should should throw it um, because it, each decision factors into the overall conclusion of the game so it's got it got it got called on here it was holding the people's argument of that it shouldn't be called there is sorry uh, tough that that's life life sucks and fortunately for us um we get to talk about the Chiefs winning the Super Bowl and being on the better side of that but there have been times where they were on the wrong side of it before every Mm -hmm. NFL team has had that moment before in the franchise history
0: Listen, every close game, any sport, (laughs) has always had people blame the officials. This is so funny to me that we sit here and act like it's the first time we've seen something. You know, I I go back to the the Chiefs AFC Championship game against New England. When I think about bad calls, you know, the Chris Jones roughing the passer call. It's just something where you can sit there in the moment and the anger can build and then it all comes out at once. And the first thing you want to do is blame the officials. You do not want to blame your team. But guess what? There's a lot of things that happen during the game, after that play, that result in you losing the game. Bad calls happen. There's no way around it. And I am somebody that is very harsh on officials and umpires and referees. But they don't always impact the entire outcome of the game. And last night, the hole didn't. It set the Chiefs up in a good spot, but James Bradbury said he held. Carl said there was no debate. He was held. You're just going to have people blame officials because every close game seemingly comes down to officiating. And when you're a team that wins a lot like the Chiefs do, you're going to have people blame the officials for your success, just like we all did for 20 years in New England. The New England Patriots never had a legitimate win. It was always the officials. Give me a break. The Chiefs did a lot of things. Well, they were great in the second half. Maybe the Eagles should have gotten to Patrick Mahomes more or slowed down that offense more. Can't blame one thing on a call, but maybe it's just me in Kansas City looking through the bias lens. Chiefs a winner, 38-35 over the Eagles, and Super Bowl 57, their second Super Bowl in five years, their third in franchise history, now the betting favorite to win it next year. That wraps up another edition of The Shift on 94.5 FM and 15.10 AM ESPN Kansas City. I've been your host, Jack Johnson, alongside Marco Marquez. We will talk to you tomorrow at 10 AM. You take it easy, Kansas City.